Welcome to Keep It 100 Podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Join us in this space where we take on real issues with real insight and real inspiration. This podcast is for those not looking for temporary relief to change circumstance, but revelation to forever change lives. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Keep It 100 with Krista and Sean Smith. It's your boy, Sean. <laughs> My favorite boy, right there. Hey you guys, we got a special announcement to tell it's everybody. It's fun, right? right? Yeah. This is our 100th episode of Keep It 100 wow. with Sean and Krista Smith. Can you believe it? 100 episodes. Hey, statistics say the most podcasts like die before the 100th episode. It's called pod fade and people just give up. And uh, we were determined that we wanted to continually bring what we pray and hope to be a beneficial uh, place of conversation for people that would listen, particularly something that could bring discipleship. And so we're blessed and we thank God ultimately. And we thank you guys for listening to us and supporting this podcast that we would be at it 100 episodes later. It's true. We're so grateful you are a part of the Keep 100 tribe. We have such the joy and the privilege of when we're on the road traveling and ministering, so many of you come up to us and you're like, hey, I'm a part of the Keep 100 tribe. And it's such a gift then to know that there's so many of you that are just faithful and subscribing and sharing it and even do a shout outs on social media and telling us, you know, the testimony of like how this is ministered to you or how that conversation helped you. And that's such a gift. And it really is the fuel for Sean and I to keep going because uh, it's a lot of work, but we recognize it's worth it because we really want people to be discipled. We want people to get in the word. We want people on fire for Jesus. And so we just want to thank you for being a part of the Keep On Our Tribe. It really is a joy to do life with you. And so come on, can we just, I wish we had like balloons or like balloons, firecrackers or fire. something. We should have carrot cake, maybe for you like <laughs> vegan maple donuts from Ooh, Whole Foods. Yeah, that sounds actually like amazing. That. I take it. Hey, the funny point is really we've come a long way. Some people don't realize, but in our first couple episodes, we had invested money and we got these sure microphones yes. that are hundred, hundreds of dollars each and didn't even realize the first several podcasts I was recording through our Mac computer <laughs> bypassing these expensive mics wondering why it sounded like we're in a tunnel. We, we would hear it and we were like, why do we sound like we're in a tin can? We like could not figure it out. And finally it dawned on us what was happening. But it's true. The learning curve was real when I, it came on those first I few put episodes. foam on the walls, y'all. I'm thinking, okay, the sound must the be foam, bouncing. I remember the foam. I remember hanging it on the ceiling. It was nasty looking too. It, it wasn't, was. even, wasn't that nice was black like, one to see no, churches. No, it was, it was and it was like it was like weird yellow like gone wrong it was pretty terrible it looked Hilarious. like they'd been in a warehouse for like <laughs> 15 years. And they, they cut a square and sold it to us on Amazon. It looked like he probably had an asbestos <laughs> in it. We're just being goofy, y'all. Hey, Krista, we got a great announcement to we tell do. our listeners I'm as well. sorry you had me on asbestos. <laughs> All right, I'm going to pull this together because this announcement is huge. Yes. January 18th through the 20th, we are having Momentum 2024. And I am so excited about this. If you guys saw, we posted last Friday this incredible promotion that Natalia, our team member, she created, and it really captures the essence of momentum. Really, our only agenda.
agenda is Jesus. Our purpose is his presence. And we just believe God is going to do something so powerful. We're telling people, you know, there's a Black Friday deal that's going to happen in a couple of days. We're going to be promoting that on social media. You'll see all that. I really encourage you get the seat now in the room because there is limited seating. And I'm not saying that out of like manipulation. It's just reality. Uh, we had uh, so many people come last year and we're going to be in the same facility uh, this year, which is amazing. And God, I just feel like is going to visit us. And we have Tomi Ariomi, we have Sherman Dumas, we have Ben and Jody Hughes, we have uh, Matt Gilman, we have Chris Aldejuste and the Momentum Worship Team. We have Sean and Krista, of course, ourselves. Um, I'm just believing it's going to be uh, truly a, a time where we encounter God in the most unprecedented of ways. We have people that are bringing teams from their churches from all yeah. over the United States. We've had talk of some people that are going to be coming literally from Hawaii, people that are going to be coming from the UK. So we're super excited. Last year, we had 700 people pack out yeah. a building. Our capacity is if everyone showed up last year, we maybe have room for maybe another 100, 150 yeah, more. Yeah. So sign up, sign up early, uh, get your seats. And we are believing that this is going to be amazing. Our, our kind of catchphrase, if you will, for this is that we want to go where we've never been. Yes. And there's a scripture out of Joshua that we will share in some coming episodes that we think is very pertinent to that. But go to SeanandKristaSmith.com. Sign up right now for Momentum 2024. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> it's going it. to be amazing. Come on. I love that. I'm so excited. Well, today we're actually talking um, really about kind of a serious topic, you yeah. know, and yet I, our hope and prayer is that through this conversation, it gives hope, it gives perspective, and it always points to Jesus. That's truly our intention. We've entitled this episode, our hundredth episode, How the Mighty Have Fallen. And it's really with a look at kind of what's happened historically, but what's actually happening in the modern day church today. You know, most of us know the shock, the disbelief, the sadness, and perhaps even that that anger or that rage that happens when you discover that either a beloved or respected leader or pastor or someone that you admire in the faith, a giant in the faith, has had a moral failure in some capacity, whether that's of sexual nature, whether it's of ethics, whether it's an integrity, whether it's issues with money or what or abuse or whatever it may be. We, we sadly as Christians in recent months have witnessed the failures of high profile people as successful, respected, both national and international uh, ministry leaders. And it's one of those where you walk away, you go, how do I respond to that? And how do I not become that? You know, you're absolutely right, Krista. You know, it always awakens this mixture of emotions. You have these sentiments, like you said, it ranges from anger. You have disbelief. Questions, I think, is, is a big thing. I'm talking to people and some young leaders that have a lot of questions, self-introspection, your own sense of vulnerability. And uh, that really speaks volumes to me because I actually came into ministry by the sovereignty of God. God. God called me to vocational ministry, but the couple that were campus pastors while I was interning, that there was a moral failure. And the wife, she had been delivered out of lesbianism and uh, I was uh, away on a trip. Uh, she later, after she was delivered, uh, she married this 
guy uh, who was a campus pastor. So together they were our campus pastors and we're on a trip together and we come back and he finds a yellow post-it note. That's it with I'm gone, peace out. And oh, wow. uh, he had to step down. And so here I'm training for campus ministry, but I had to become the director of our campus Christian group. But our group went from 280 to 25 people. So when I talk about wow. this mixture of emotion and having to pastor in the vacuum of what felt like this mortar was dropped and blew up in the midst of us. And not too long after that, there was a major evangelist. He would be on TV. I mean, he was one of the heroes, man. He preached purity. He preached uh, holiness. Uh, he actually initially called out another, at that time, mega pastor for having an affair. And it ended up being multiple affairs, but that pastor didn't admit to it. He just admit, admitted to a small indiscretion, mm-hmm. kind of like plea bargaining. But later, as this one evangelist out at this pastor, the pastor turned around and actually had uh, footage or film or evidence of this mega evangelist in a hotel room with prostitutes. Oh, and, and I just think of how much that mm. has impacted. I remember preaching after that on a Sunday night and I was so devastated this evangelist had fallen because I really looked up to him. There was a senior pastor at a church and he, he said, what's the matter? And uh, I just said, oh no, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I was there to preach. I was a campus pastor. I brought students. They were going to support our ministry. And yeah. he said, is it because brother so-and-so fell? And I, I nodded my head. Yes. And he pulled me aside, pulled me back in his office. He said, young man, remember this. He said, that man had to leave the presence of God before mm. he would ever do that. And that actually helped me to recognize, hey, I just need the presence of God. But, you know, uh, bottom line is when that happens, I I remember that night uh, being in front of that pastor. I remember when I got the news that my former campus pastors had to step down. It's that disorientating stomach churn, that unmistakable feeling when you watch a Christian leader you love and respect crumble under the weight of a previously hidden sin, it, it is difficult. And you 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 articulated that very accurately. You know, it is. And I think you and I have both walked these roads being in ministry for decades, you know, and I know just that that pain as well and getting that front row seat of seeing the shrapnel of people's destructive behavior and decisions and the effect on the church, specifically young believers. I mean, that's honestly the the shrapnel that hits the hardest is those young believers believers that are so formative in their faith. And several times um, I had to step in where there's moral failure, whether it was with a youth pastor or a junior high pastor, and I was on staff of the church or I was a youth leader at the church at the time. And I would step in on in those roles of pastoring for junior high and high school age youth because of moral failures of the current pastors. And I found uh, myself with multiple emotions, uh, frustration and anger for how did you get there? Number two, now I'm having to pastor these kids through trauma and disappointment and the disillusionment that their leader, their beloved leader have failed. Um, and then I'm having to do double the work. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like on just a really practical level, you know, it's like, we have, we have, we must be reminded. And here's like, I remember this, like this kind of put the fear of God in me. It was like years ago when Teg Haggard fell, that would like shook me. Right. Because that was just like, what in the world, not Teg Haggard. And I remember the last sermon he preached in new life um, before everything was exposed. It was called how your sin affects me. Mm, wow. Wow. So that was really like that shook me because it's like he knew like he's preaching this sermon on like how your sin affects you. And we have to remember like your sin is greater than you. Um, your decisions are greater than you. The, the life you choose to live is greater than you. There is a ripple effect in the kingdom of God. 
And if you desire to be a leader in the body of Christ, you must understand there are consequences. And I think prophetically, we're in a season where the Lord is inviting us to be cleansed and to be refined and to really have a posture and a life of consecration in very simple layman terms. That means to be set apart. That means what others can, you cannot, not out of religion, not out of legalism, but out of worship and adoration, recognizing we have a life that must honor Jesus. And there is a responsibility we have if we're called to leadership, we're talking to leaders right now, but really for that matter, let's just talk to the body of Christ. Maybe let's pull it broader than what I'm saying at that moment. But I think we have to understand prophetically, there's an invitation from the spirit of God right now where the bride must become cleansed. You know, I 100% agree with it. And a lot of the prophets are saying, uh, we are we are part of a roundtable of prophets. They were saying we're in a season, Chris, as you said, of cleansing, purification, and I would say even explosure. You know, it's funny. I, I just felt prompted. It was a, a book back in the day by a man of God, a, a prophetic man of God, a founder of Teen Challenge, Dave Wilkerson, Times Square Church. He wrote a book back in the day called Set the Trumpet to Thy Mouth. And if anybody wants to do a little research, he released the book the year I got saved. So I think that's significant. But anyway, here is something he prophesied in that book, Set the Trumpet to Thy Mouth. Dave Wilkerson's going to be with the Lord. He says, but the overcomers are coming out into a place of holiness, intercessory prayer, and separation from all that is of this world. They have turned to the Lord with all their hearts, Having renounced all hidden works of darkness, they are being purged and purified. They are hearing the sounds of the gathering storm. And, I, and I'm sure probably for him, maybe the gathering storm was maybe there would be winds of, you know, consequence, you know, i.e. judgment. But I kind of feel like the gathering storm also is a storm of an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And God is cleansing the priest to get ready for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And like he said, overcomers are starting to come out with holiness, clothes, in righteousness, renouncing the hidden works of darkness. I 100% agree. That was that was quite a prophetic word that he gave uh, decades ago. You know, I uh, what I love is what he's saying applied then and it applies now. Yeah. I think it's one of those words that's timeless. It's like there's a constant invitation because we are really being challenged to refocus and go back to purity and holiness of our heart, right? As you said, we're in this time, and I believe prophetically we can agree, a lot of prophetic voices are saying this, we're in this time of refining and exposure. And the exposure is what's done in secret. The hidden things are going to be exposed, like whatever you've been doing in in your life, it's going to come to the surface, right? And we we will see what, what people carry and what's actually in people. And to really kind of go along with the David Wilkerson word, you know, I'm reminded of Malachi 3.3. It's really that refining, that purification. It's like the word really undergirds that prophetic word. And Malachi 3, Malachi prophesied, he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Mm. And we really must understand our lives have to be an offering of mm -hmm. righteousness. And what does that mean in very simple terms? It means to make sure that Jesus has our affections, our adoration and our awe and our worship, and that we are always aligned with the Lord. We're always aligned with Jesus. And in a world and in, especially with the enemy, he always wants you to take sides, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, what side are we going to be on on history? We're going to be on 
on the kingdom of God side. We're going to be on the side of Jesus. And that's what we must align ourselves with in this hour. We must have the honest conversation and inventory with ourselves and being able to look at our lives and say, is my life an offering of righteousness? I agree with you. I think when when a moral failure occurs in a leader's life, particularly the magnitude of what we've seen and what we're seeing currently, it is, I agree with you, a challenge to refocus, get back to purity, get back to holiness of heart. You know, recently Christianity Today reported that, quote, a cynicism about leadership and authority is spreading in the church, in the quote. And, you know, I think with the scandalous behavior that we've seen rampant, there's been uh, pastors and spiritual leaders that have had reality shows and guys that are caught texting uh, somebody who's not their wife and then come back and kind of give, you know, kind of excuses rather than really owning it or someone else has been with their intern or, or doing some things, using their position to kind of, I think, intimidate maybe the opposite sex or in some instances, even the same sex. It, it has caused a heightened distrust of Christian leaders. But I just want to speak to that. If you're feeling like part of the fallout of when you recognize how the mighty have fallen, that there's a cynicism, which I think is characteristic of the day and the age that we live in. You just have to understand one person working on behalf of self can't destroy the works of the Holy Spirit working on behalf of God. Mm. That's just so important to understand. Oh, that's so good. You know, when we're understanding that people have fallen, and I think there's always a question because we're going to talk, a, we're going to break this down a little bit of like, how how do you respond when someone's falling, right? And I think 2 Samuel 1 verses 17 through 20, starting in verse 17, it really, I think, models to us in the word of God how to respond when the mighty fall. And it says in 2 Samuel 1 verse 17, it says, David took up his lament concerning Saul and his son, Jonathan, and he ordered the people of Judah be taught this lament. And then it goes on to read in verse 19, a gazelle lies slain on your heights, Israel, how the mighty have fallen. Verse 20, tell it not in Gath, proclaim it not in the streets of Ascalon, lest the daughters of the Philistines be glad, lest the daughters of the uncircumcised rejoice. And I think it really models to us in this scripture, how we're we're talking about this time of pain and loss and sorrow because Saul and Jonathan are killed in battle. It's not a time to rejoice when the mighty have fallen, when the mighty are slain. And I'm not, not obviously this is talking about in a physical sense, but let's bring that to a spiritual sense where there is death of a dream. There's death of a promise. There's death of a ministry. There's the miscarriage of what God gave to someone to carry. And it's been aborted. It hasn't been stewarded well. And and you you recognize that is not the time to gloat. It's not the time to point your finger. It's not the time to gossip. This is the time to lament. So there is good. a weeping and there is a mourning and there is a wailing in a sense before the Lord of God forgive us, right? And, and I think when we understand that we're all on team Jesus and one of our people of our family, our sister, our brother have fallen, there's no joy in that. I think we have to understand that as we have seen current modern day leaders presently have allegations against them or scandals or they're caught. This is not the time to rip apart the church. This is not a time to deconstruct the bride. 
this is time to get on your face and get in the presence of God and say, God, check my heart and, and, and let me not follow what has been modeled to me in that area. But let me be one that has been consecrated. Let me bring a righteous offering to you. I hope I'm communicating yes. the heart of this moment. I think so. You know, even Jesus, obviously a different context, but he longed to gather Jerusalem to him himself, but they rejected him. And he said, oh, Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem, how long to gather you together? Seem to get as a hen would gather together, gather together their chicks, but you would not have them. And it says he wept over Jerusalem. And so it's like Jerusalem failed, like you said, their prophetic uh, posture of what God wanted to do. And so when we see that happen in ministries, we see that happen in people's lives. I, I, I love what you're saying. It's so profound. It's a time to lament, not a time to gossip, you said. Uh, not a time. I love all the things you said to rejoice. Uh, it is a time to lament. And, you know, it goes right along with this understanding. You have to understand even seasoned leaders fall. Saul was the king of Israel. David was the king of Israel when he fell with Bathsheba. There are numerous examples in the Puritan who they were all about personal holiness. Uh, they were back in the late 1600s or 17th century. Puritan John Owens, a great theologian, he wrote about this in his writings. Again, the context is even seasoned leaders fall. And he wrote in his writings called Overcoming Sin and Temptation. And he makes some key observations. And first of all, he says, you know, even seasoned leaders fall. He talked about Noah. Noah got drunk, right? Remember his three sons? Two of them had to back up and, and cover him, but one mm-hmm. son put him on blast. Mm-hmm. Lot was, people forget, you think of uh, Lot as just Abraham's nephew, but that dude was a leader. He fell. David fell. Hezekiah fell. And notice something. They didn't fall when they were baby believers. They fell many years into their walk. They were mature. In other words, uh, they were getting picked off uh, in their maturity, like straggling antelope in the Serengeti, like, <laughs> but but they weren't some straggling antelope. They were mighty lions. Lions who had years of experience and blessings of obedience to become well acquainted with the dangers and deceit of sin. You know, I was having this conversation, Boo, with a great mutual friend of ours, Will Ford, and he talked about that he was at a hotel and he was out and he was doing some ministry and uh, he got on, he was going to his room and a, and a woman gets on uh, with a guy and she starts flirting with him like bad, like real bad. Like she was casting something out there and she's tipsy. And so she was saying kind of, hey, who are you? I like you. What room, what floor are you on? I'm going to go to your room. And he says, hey, first of all, I'm married. He shows the ring. He says, I'm a minister. And you would think she would have backed off. No, she like doubled down, kind of throwing wow. that, like, like that Jezebel thing at him. Yeah. And uh, he didn't tell her what floor he was going to, but you know, obviously you push the button. So I don't know. So I guess the guy she was with, they were, I said, same hotel there was some sort of party. That guy got off. She stayed on. So she was serious. And so he was thinking, okay, I'm going to get off of the next floor. I'm going to get my wife on the phone. And all of a sudden, some people who were from the party got on the elevator with them and I think distracted her and they pulled her off. And so he went all the way up uh, to his floor, which is on the 12th floor. And he said, the Lord spoke to him. And he says, it's a challenge for all of us that the, the devil is going to put, if you will, Bathsheba's and Delilah's. And obviously, although those are female, let me tell you what, it could be males. Mm-hmm. And I, oh, I want to emphasize that yeah. male or female, right? Put them, put them on your elevator in your early floors, but she was going to actually cause the fall to take place at the 12th floor with 12, 12, 
of disciples is the number of organization. It's the number of administration. It's the number of government. But it's like the enemy wants to get a an adulterous spirit on when you're early in your ministry. You're flirting with stuff, playing with stuff, but he won't pull the rug out from underneath you until you're mature. And that's the scary part. He'll wait till your ministry platform is bigger. He'll wait until all of a sudden your book has become a bestseller or you're speaking uh, in different people. You've got a great following. And then the enemy is patient enough to unhatch his scheme he's had. And so I just think, what is that saying to us? Number one, just because a leader preaches truth doesn't mean they've mastered it. But one of the things we've got to be careful of is that you've got to look for the little errors of your life. The Bible says it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. Mm, That's so good. You know, just talking about when we're watching those around us that we've maybe respected or that have led us or we've been mentored from afar through their ministry or we just look at them as a giant or a hero of the faith and they've fallen, you know, just kind of staying in that vein of like, how do you respond? You know, it's like, and I think we have to remember like where our hearts are broken. Scripture really invites us to lament and Mm -hmm. to carry the full weight of our disappointment, anguish, pain, sorrow, but to the presence of Jesus. Mm -hmm. You know, I have wept for the pain of watching many leaders fail, uh, but Jesus has never failed me. Mm -hmm. And I think it's that coming back kind of like what you're talking about, where when we have that response, when we see people fall, I think that's one of those protective moments where what you're talking about, when they when the enemy tries to pounce early in our ministry, middle of our ministry, and even later on in our ministry, there's going to be moments where the enemy goes after you. And yet, if you are humble and leaning into God and really going after the, pro- the, the presence of the Lord, that's what will keep you, right? That's what will keep you in these times where the enemy wants to have you be another statistic. And I think there is, uh, in a great way, there must be a spiritual grit within us where you're like, I will not be a statistic. I will be one that will start well and end well. And even the middle of my ministry, by God's grace, by God's presence, not by my own doing, but by my leaning, by my praying, by my pursuit of Jesus, right? You know, I think it just really underscores um, the reality that anyone can fall and that we have an opportunity uh, even to create safeguards against these falls. That is such a profound truth. You know what, gang? Moral failure isn't just a pastoral problem. It's a human problem. And I think the understanding of that is very freeing in a sense that it keeps us from putting unrealistic expectations upon certain human beings for whatever reasons. You know, it is a fact that pastors and leaders must be held to a high moral standard. Scripture backs that. The integrity of the church demands it. Leaders are given charge to be an example to believers in speech, behavior, love, and fidelity, and purity. 1 Timothy 4.12. Leaders are the people that Apostle Paul directly addresses when he says, follow me as I follow Christ. However, that doesn't mean that pastors or leaders are any more or less susceptible to moral failings than the rest of humanity. They're held to a higher standard, but flesh is flesh. You know, I think I think what you've talked about is like really key because I think it's really easy as people to look at spiritual leaders and we put so much in them, right? And and I get it because it's our pastor, it's our leader, but there really is that tension that we cannot make them God, lowercase g, right? We can't, we can't make them the idol before us that if they fall, we fall. We cannot base our faith on their life. We must have our own faith right? We, ha- we must have our own experience, our own relationship with Jesus 
so that, God forbid, if a leader does fall, it doesn't cause you and spin you out and spiral you into a place of deconstruction and you're losing your faith, you're having a crisis of faith. It is disappointing and you grieve it and it's like, oh Lord, why? And 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 my goodness, how can we how can I not walk in that? And then how do we make sure we put this ministry back together and make sure people are okay? Absolutely. But I think we have to understand like people make a terrible version of God, <laughs> you know? And so you really have to keep your eyes on Jesus and you can honor and you can respect. And yes, we follow our leaders, but they are not God and they are not the depth of your walk with Jesus. And I think when we understand that everyone is susceptible to sin and can make mistakes, and that is not a, uh, you know, that's not just saying it's okay. It's not okay. You know, we, we have to have integrity. And I believe it's a biblical responsibility as a leader to have that. But we also have to recognize in our humanity, there is brokenness. And unfortunately, brokenness produces sin. I love that because you're right. You can't make people into idols. And the Bible does say, looking unto Jesus, the author and perfect of our faith. It doesn't say looking unto Paul. Right. It doesn't say looking unto Apollos. It says looking unto Jesus. It doesn't say looking unto Apostle Peter. Right. And so I, I want to kind of kind of get this thought out right now that I think there are many listeners and, and they probably have this question. Why are so many Christian leaders falling? And I think some of it obviously is what we've described. Flesh is flesh. Uh, we have feet of clay. The, the Bible says that we will be tempted, that none of us are beyond temptation. Even our Savior was was tempted every way yet without sin. I think part of it is some of the, the culture that we've developed where we have the celebration of ability or anointing over character. And I think when we begin to celebrate a person's gifting over their character, a lot of times we will look over things. We will keep people in position because of their giftedness and overlook their character. And I think at the end of the day, that hurts the leader because all of a sudden they begin to value their persuasion, their charismatic personality, their look, their vibe, their ability, who they're taking an Instagram pic with this week over character. And and the other thing that I think happens is that a lot of Christian leaders are falling because they just don't have and have not established the community of people in which they can be transparent and accountable to. And I just want you to know right now, darkness's modern trap is secrecy. That is the natural habitat for sin. Wherever the devil finds darkness, he has reign in that area and he has freedom to bring about the manifestation of what he's about. And I, I think we've seen the eradication of accountability. I think that, again, we're putting uh, leaders on pedestals and believe, you know, and these guys and gals sometimes will believe in their own press reports. But I, I tell you, I think there's something that maybe we've not talked about as much. I believe it's the combination of unhealed wounds with mm. the pressure of leadership. And that can become That's a good. dangerous yes. uh, mixture for leaders. And, and what happens is, is that when you have the unhealed wounds and then you feel the pressure, then after a while, uh, certain sins, particularly sexual sins, they are allowed to go underground. And when that happens, it's only a matter of time before that thing backfires and, and you begin to hear reports like we're hearing right now. Ooh, that is so well said. You know, as you were talking, I, I was thinking about this. You know, there's few things more dangerous to a church than a pastor who's extraordinarily endowed on the gifting side and extraordinarily deficient on the character side. Ooh. 
I think that that statement is is incredibly profound. When we understand there's a massive deficient on your character, but you're incredibly gifted. And I think that's one of the major recipes we've seen that has caused major fall in people's lives. You know, there's some simple truths that I think are really important for us to remember. If you are someone that has been affected by someone that has had a moral failure, that's been a spiritual leader or authority in your life, there's just some simple things that I think for the Keep It 100 tribe to to listen to and to pay attention to and to really to safeguard your heart. And one of them is, you know, your belief in that pastor, that leader, that spiritual authority in your life was not wrong. Come on. Right. You weren't wrong for that. You know, they were in a position of authority in your life. So you put trust in them, you put faith in them and you believed in them and you followed. That wasn't wrong. And what you don't want to do is have that knee jerk reaction of like, I'm never following again. I'm never trusting again. I'm, I'm, I don't trust authority. I don't trust leadership. And all of a sudden it causes knee jerk reaction and you pull yourself out of actually a God created this really beautiful family of God. And when you have that knee jerk reaction, you remove yourself from that. You can actually miss out on some incredible blessings and relationships that are hugely beneficial. So I, we just want to say there's no shame in that. There's no blame in that for you following that leadership. And then second thing to consider is like, you know, you are not expected to, or, and you, nor should you take personal responsibility for someone's failure. Yeah. Right. We are not responsible for someone's brokenness Breach. and you are not responsible for someone's decisions. And Everyone is responsible for their thoughts, feelings, actions, behaviors. Every adult is fully and completely responsible. And so we want to recognize that those people made those decisions and it might affect you. It might greatly impact you, but it's not your fault. So do not own what is not yours. Learn from it, glean from it, you know, let us, let us become better because of it. Let us lean closer to Jesus through it, but let us not falsely take ownership for it. And another thing I would encourage people to remember is how you respond to people's failures actually affects your future. Yeah. You know, you must walk in forgiveness. You yep. must walk in grace. You must walk in mercy that does not excuse their behavior. And nor is you walking in grace, mercy, and forgiveness condoning their behavior. And you're not saying it's okay or right, but you are saying it doesn't That's have good. a foothold on me. It's good, Christian. It does say that I'm not going to walk in judgment or accusation because whatever we sow, we will reap, right? Mm-hmm. And so we want to walk in grace and we want to walk in mercy. And you have to recognize that it's actually a church problem and not a Christ problem. And I think that's an important thing to separate. The church, the bride is imperfect, but the groom is perfect. And for us to keep our eyes on the groom, he's perfect, but he loves an imperfect bride and he calls us to love an imperfect bride and he loves us and we're imperfect, right? So I think just us understanding, not connecting the two, that your church is not God, Mm -hmm. right? So there is a separation there that I think is a healthy understanding of actually who is God and who's not God. Another thing I would really encourage to keep on our tribe to remember through, you know, failures of people is, you know, this is actually a time and opportunity to support people that are in pain and in crisis. There is always, you know, uh, casualties that happen in these times of crisis and these times of failure. Every scandal causes casualties. And I think we have to go, this is an opportunity to love, to support, to come alongside. This is an opportunity for a church family to actually rally around someone where their whole world just got 
turned upside down and the enemy literally wants to take them out and you're able to come as a church family and say, no, it stops here. Like we're drawing a line in the sand and we're saying, we're going to take care of this family and we're going to see restoration and we're going to see rebuilding. So good. Right. And so we, we, we recognize that when a pastor falls to sin, a whole church is going to be hurting. And when someone with a wider ministry across different churches is snared in scandal, the shockwaves of pain and sadness may spread far and may spread wide. But again, opportunity to support churches, to support church families, to support pastoral families, um, all the people that are affected. It is not a time to ignore the victims of the scandal. It is a time to come alongside and to help restore. I think we have the ministry of reconciliation which means we have the ministry of restoration. And, you know, the last thing I would encourage people to remember when there is moral failure and there's, you know, issues in people's lives is this isn't the end of the story. So good. Right. I I think we have to have that mindset and that perspective that if there is not grace, forgiveness, restoration, and reconciliation that's taken place and the story's not done being written. That is who our God is. We have to see the fingerprints of Jesus on people's stories. And if we haven't seen it yet, it's not done yet, right? It's not done being written. And I just think that's an important perspective to lean in till the end. Like Mm. you're in the middle of the mess, but the mess is not the conclusion. And so to really stay in a posture of God, you're not done yet. The enemy thinks he's one, but who has the final say? Jesus has the final say. You know, the apostle John writes, if anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life to those who commit sins that do not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. First John 5, 16 through 17. When we see people making decisions that lead them to a place of being snared, leading to a place that's having a lifestyle and a habitual pattern of sin, let us intervene. Let us bring restoration. Let us actually um, kind of help them recalibrate their path so it does not lead them to death, but it leads them to repentance. It leads them to conviction. It leads them to turning their life around and letting God restore their story. I love that. That is so wise, so profound. That is worth the podcast right there. Somebody needs to break out with their notes. That is amazing. You know, one of the lessons I think that I'm getting as well in this season is the realization that we're all going to be tested and we're constantly tested. You know, the Bible talks about in Psalms 105, speaking of Joseph from Genesis, it says that uh, Joseph was sold as a servant. Uh, It says in uh, Psalms 107, verse 17, verse 18, whose feet they hurt with fetters. He was laid in iron until the time that his word came, the word of the Lord tested him. And I think about it every single day of your life, you're being tested. Come on, keep it 100. Think about it. If you examine your life every single day, you're being tested from phone calls you receive to emails you answer, the people you talk to, the thoughts that come in your mind. I guarantee you, you don't expect that you're going to be tested, but you're tested. That same Joseph, right? He had this vision of how he would rule in, in his brothers and his his dad would bow down and etc. But did you know in Genesis 19, he is in Potiphar's house. So it looks like his dream prophetic words coming true. And Potiphar had left everything in his care. But then Potiphar's wife, the Bible says in Genesis 39 and verse uh, seven, it says, after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. But then I love this in verse eight, Genesis 39, boo, it says, but he refused. Somebody just needs to preach on the 
blessing or refusal. Come on, somebody. And he went on to say, he said, with me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he's entrusted in my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has not withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And it says, she spoke to Joseph day after day, but he refused to go to bed with her, even to be with her. Sometimes we share that story, but we miss the fact she kept coming after him. Oh, yeah. She didn't just do a one-time thing right. and her brother jumped out the room and she grabbed his coat and said, hey, he was in with me every single day. And I I believe mm. that just like Joseph was constantly placed in environments where he's tested, so are you. And these tests are all around us every day. And in some sense, situations where we see men and women of God fall, it is just an example of a test that came and that they didn't pass. And the most important tests are not the ones the DMV give you, not the one even the doctor may give you. The most important tests are tests of morality. Mm. Is decisions will you maintain your integrity? And so before I ever would point the finger at someone else, I've got to stop and think, God, how am I doing with the test you're giving me? You know, it's it's so true. And I think we have to look as followers of Jesus. And I want to speak to leaders for just a moment. You know, there's there's tests, and I'm even going to use the word temptations. There's tests and temptations that we're going to face. And you know, we need to be aware of those ways that the enemy comes at you and tries to bait you. And we, Sean and I always say, you know, don't take the bait, like don't take the bait. And one of the baits is like pressure temptations that, that even the test of pressure and pressure is like decisions you have to make that, you know, are challenging to your integrity. Are you going to compromise in your integrity? Are you going to cross those lines of ethics and morality? Are you Mm. going to, you know, be honest with your money and, um, you know, your word and your lifestyle and your decisions and your purity and your holiness and all those things, right? It's like there is pressure um, to act a certain way. And we, we, we're living in a culture where purity is kind of like looked down upon that when someone takes a real stand for truth or righteousness, it's actually not applauded anymore. It's kind of scorned at, it's like, kind of like, oh, they're legalistic or, you know, they're, they're this, they're that it's not a positive. And so you, as a leader, you have to really stand to go, no, no, I'm actually going to like make a stand here, even being mocked by other Christians and that pressure to not conform that pressure to not come underneath the social status quo, even within the church, you have to pass that. You have to pass that people-pleasing test, that people-pleasing temptation that is so strong in the church and in our society. Those are things, if you can pass that test, it is going to safeguard you in the area of integrity and morality. Another you know, temptation, another test you're going to walk through as a leader is power temptations, right? The, t- the test of power. And this is where, you know, getting into manipulation and control and um, seducing people into what you want them to do, a critical spirit. You know, those are things where I've seen so many times leaders fall into manipulation and control. There's probably the top two things I see in the area of power that when someone has power, they have authority, they're leading a large church, a successful ministry, all of a sudden it goes to their head and they become this like dominating, controlling, manipulating. They're highly critical. It's a high, highly legalistic culture. Um, it's very confronting culture. 
It's not freeing. It's performance. not a, a performance, not freeing. It's not empowering. You're going to have to pass that as a leader. If you want to walk in integrity, you want to walk yes. in purity and holiness, you got to pass these tests. These are real things that we see on a weekly basis in the body of Christ. And in the last test, I would encourage you know you to be really aware of is the test of purity. Yeah. And we're going to call it the purity, the temptation, you know, of, of compromising your purity. And that includes like, of course, your sexual lifestyle. Um, that includes your thought life, your conversation, what you're watching with your eyes, what you're listening to with your ears. What are you engaging in? Um, you know, those huge things of like, there's, there has to be boundaries in your life and area of purity and, and, and righteousness and integrity you have to know your boundaries in order to know if you're crossing them, right? If you don't have boundaries, right? You're not going to have any depth because deep waters have parameters, right? If you just have no boundaries and no parameters, you're going to have shallow water. So if you want depth in your life, you got to have clear boundaries. So the water and the root system in your life can go deep. But I think for our keep one at a try for them to be really aware of those three, three areas, that is where the enemy wants to hook you. So good. I love that pressure tests or pressure temptations, power temptations, purity temptation. That's so good. And you know, right along those lines, you know, we fall. I was thinking about answering this. You yeah. fill in the blank. We fall when mm -hmm. we fall when we fall when human temptation is stronger than our healthy habits. Ooh. I just want to challenge listeners right now. Are you developing spiritual habits? Are you developing spiritual rhythms in your life that will protect you? Human temptation. Joseph was away from his dad. He's away from his family. He was in Egypt. And yet he obviously still had healthy habits because his habits were stronger than temptation. We fall when the loss of authentic community skews our perspective and gives permission. Because what some people do is that they fall because they've distanced themselves from the voices of conviction and the voices that lift up a standard and they get a friend base around them that it's kind of anything goes or they're, they're, they're strong on, Hey, I just want you to know Jesus loves you. But on the flip side, wait a second. He's also a holy God. He's also a God that demand your all. You fall when you lost and lose authentic community. Let me give you another example. You fall when you have spiritual dry seasons because you haven't had a, a current encounter with Jesus. And this begins to progress to a quote, I didn't see it coming scenario. And let me tell you right now, spiritually dry seasons come to us all. You sometimes, you know, even Jesus was led into the wilderness. You may not be able to control that unless it's sin induced, then you repent, of course. But you can control the lack of a current encounter. You can sow into that in various different ways. We've had podcasts in the past talking about it because you don't want to, I didn't see it coming because they interviewed leaders that fell. And one of the things that they said is they did not see it coming. And so it tells me that uh, there's a blindedness that happens uh, when you're getting away from the discernment of having intimacy with the Holy Spirit. You fall when you keep feeding the dragon and you're starving the lion. Oh, always think about current thoughts in my life, current activities, boo, that I'm involved with, cur current things I'm watching, listening to, giving myself to activities. Am I feeding the dragon and starving the lion or am I feeding the lion and starving the dragon? Mm. What's going to happen next is something unplanned, something off the script, but the enemy is going to set up his trap and you will be that person that others will be pointing at. And you, 
you don't want that to happen. And I would say also maybe finally we fall when we unwillingly give in to group think and compare ourselves by ourselves rather than getting into what God thinks. And they're so easy to compare ourselves by ourselves. There's even a scripture for that, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 12, and New Living Translation says, oh, don't worry, we wouldn't dare say that we are as wonderful as these other men who tell you how important they are, <laughs> but they are only comparing themselves with each other, using themselves as a standard of measurement, how ignorant. I love that passage in the New Living Translation. And let's just say right now, we are not going to make provision for failure. Come we are on. not going to make a provision for failure because there is is ways that we can keep from falling. You know, I think at the Keep 100 Tribe, you're hearing this whole conversation. You're like, okay, all right, guys, we get it. What do I do to protect myself from falling? And I think maybe a better way to even say that is you're not trying to protect yourself. You're actually just trying to get in position to a deeper place with Jesus, right? Because you're going to have a lot of things coming at you. Um, and the goal isn't you learning better sin avoidance techniques, but actually a new vision of what God's heart looks like for Ooh, you, right? Yeah. So I think when you are focused on sin avoidance techniques, you've encountered religion, Yes. right? That's a religious response. But when you actually have new vision and you have actually had a revelation of how God sees you and who he is in you and through you, that's when you've encountered Jesus, right? That's where you have relationship. And, you know, what are the obvious things? What are the obvious safeguards when we want to say, hey, how do I keep myself from falling, right? I want to walk in integrity. Well, you got to have an accurate, an active prayer life. You've got to have yeah. a consistent daily prayer life. And that is actually having conversations with God and not just you talking, but listening. What is God saying? And then mm -hmm. what he says, you actually apply in your life. This is basic, mm -hmm. but come on, a lot of people aren't doing the basic. Let's get back to the basics. Another is, you know, know the word of God, get in the word of God. What does the scriptures say about you? Mm -hmm. You know, what does Romans talk about is your authority in Christ, that you're a new creation in Christ. When you begin to have a revelation that I'm actually the old is gone, the old is dead. I'm a new creation in Christ. Romans breaks that down for you. You're like, wow, you get a revelation of like who God created you to be. You begin to shift from the old thinking and you begin to live with the new thinking. You know, obviously another is really staying focused on Jesus. We talked about this. I don't need to reiterate this too much, but really honoring and loving people around you, but recognizing they're not God and they never will be. Your, your relationship is with Jesus first and foremost, and really walk with a lifestyle. This is going to be another major safeguard for you is daily cleaning out your heart, daily taking inventory of yes. your heart, walking in forgiveness, refusing to be offended, releasing those things that where people have fallen short or wronged you. When you walk with a really short account, meaning you refuse to let things become a scorekeeping, you know, posture in your life where you're like, you know what, I'm not going to, I'm not going to remember that. I'm going to let go of it. And it doesn't mean you're a doormat and it doesn't mean you don't have good boundaries, but it does mean you're saying, you know what, I'm going to be someone that is unoffendable and I'm going to walk in love. I'm going to walk in who God's called me to be. When you keep your heart clean, it's a lot easier to walk in integrity because you're not holding on to a bunch of judgment that's taken up the real estate where the love of God wants to take. Remain humble. A lot of people start believing their own hype and that's when they start falling is when they believe all this hype of who they are and they actually believe their gifts are theirs when they're actually only Jesus. 
uh, get humble, recognize everything you have is from the father. And then some real, just simple things. But I think, I think some real key safeguards is be in community, have people know you be honest, be transparent. Don't have a lot of people know a little bit about you. Have a couple people know everything about you. When you compartmentalize your life, that's when it gets scary. You got to have people in your life that know all of you good, bad, and not so pretty. And those things in process, like you got to, you got to be authentic. And then you got to talk about what's really going on with the people that know you. People are not mind readers. And so many times people are like, well, I was struggling. Well, did you tell anyone you were struggling? Did you tell anyone you were, you know, having a hard time with that? You got to take off the masks. You got to get honest. You got to get vulnerable and you got to start confessing some stuff. You got to start being honest Mm -hmm. and not confessing to people that are struggling with it too. confess to people that are walking in freedom, confessing to people that are actually living the life you want to live. If you're just telling your friend who's in the same struggle as you, it's probably not going to lead you on the path of freedom. You got to get some moms and dads, some gray haired people in your life that are living victoriously in their walk with God. Get those people speaking to your life, get those people mentoring you. And then I always tell people, you can't live off yesterday's encounter. There's got to be a fresh encounter with Jesus. When you are bored in your relationship with God, that's when you start looking for other stuff to fill that space where Jesus is to fill. You got to get those fresh encounters, those daily encounters, those weekly, monthly encounters. You got to get that fresh place with God where you're constantly doing what you can to keep that fire burning in your life and in your heart. And then I always say, hang out with people that are going after God. Tell me who your friends are. I'll tell you who you are. You know, I I really believe that, you know, hanging out with people that are going after God, we are all influenced. I don't care how much of a leader you are. Every one of us is influenced by those that we put around us. And so you got to put people that are going after God because that is going to be imparted into you. And then um, lastly, I would just say, recognize your triggers. What are your triggers? The things that trip you up, the things that want to hold you back, that want to bait you into compromise or living kind of that status quo, lukewarm Christianity, recognize your triggers, create boundaries and create a plan to avoid those triggers and develop tools in your life to respond in a healthy way to trigger situations, right? Because I'm all about getting healed, getting healthy, getting whole, break those strongholds, break those soul ties, get that inner healing, live out the promise of God over your life that you are a new creation in Christ Jesus, but you got to go after it. And you got to, you know, you've got to go after that inner healing and we got to be healed, healthy, whole, not perfect, But I do believe there's areas of healing and uh, brokenness that God wants to set you free from that will no longer be a bait that the enemy can play on. You know, I think maybe a great way to sum this up because what you're saying, oh my goodness, it's so profound. I was just thinking about this, Boo, is that there was this great king named King Uzziah. So he was a great leader. But what happens is he got prideful and he started to actually offer incense. So he kind of overstepped his bounds. He was kind of getting a little full of himself. If you will, this dude had a major failure, how the mighty have fallen. King Uzziah was such, if you study in the history of him, he was a great monarch. The guy brought about just great things uh, for Israel, brought about great things in his time as a great, if you will, military and maybe liken it to today, a spiritual leader as well. But he crossed boundaries because he began to be presumptuous. And the Bible says when he offered incense, which should have only been for priests to do, says he was struck with leprosy and he died. But then Isaiah 6, Isaiah says in 
the king, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. I think maybe the takeaway with when leaders fall is it's an opportunity to get a fresh revelation of Jesus. It's an opportunity to check with our hearts that our eyes are on him, that he is the one that we're looking to, that we're believing in his grace. We're looking to his sovereignty. We know that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. And we know that he has a power to restore. They're, they're leaders right now. Do not write them off. God is going to restore. David fell, but he came back and it says he served the purpose of God in his generation. And so I just want you to be in this point in time to be encouraged to use this opportunity to check your heart and see areas that you need to shore up, but also realize it is an opportunity to have a fresh revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks so much for tuning into the Keep It 100 podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and refer us to your friends, and be sure to click that subscribe button so that you're alerted as soon as new episodes drop. Help us get the word out, share this link on your social media platforms, and check us out at seanandkristasmith.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Sean and Krista Smith Ministries. We would love to hear from you on how this podcast has impacted you. So be sure to show us some love. Hey, thank you for listening to our episode. We're going to have the next episode here. So be looking for us to download it. And remember, relief may change your circumstance, but a revelation will change you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Keep It 100 podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Keep up with us on Facebook and Instagram at seanandkristasmith.com where you can discover more resources. If this podcast has impacted you, please subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcast. Keep it 100!